All right, Coach. We're like at, let's see, what episode are we at? We I are, need something, ain't it? Well, I'm not sure. Last time we were um, close to 80 or in the 80s, and then when I look back. Yeah, I know. We are, this will be episode 86. 86? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Look at that. Yep. That's a lot of hours. That- <laughs> That's a lot of hours. Yeah. That you is. Know, you're doing the Lord's work over that course of the time now. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> All right, Coach, go ahead and introduce yourself, and then I'll introduce myself. We'll dive right in. All right. You know, just for disclosure, Greg McNeil is the full name. Coach G is what I go by because, uh, you know, my uh, history of teaching health and fitness. Um, clinically licensed guy in a doctoral program, and I'm walking around um, trying to help people to do things that bring them joy in their life. Mm-hmm. That's what I do, right? Yep. You know. I'd say the same other than um, getting a doctorate. <laughs> you know, we really do have, well, I already have have mine, but we really do have similar backgrounds, both fitness, um, you know, both help other people. Um, yep. yeah, the education and stuff. It's interesting. Uh, my name I is, I know Sh- the word too. I know the word. <laughs> <laughs> People might not realize that it's like, does he really know? It's like, yeah, you don't want to mess with coach on that one. <laughs> he might sound one way, but he knows what he's talking about. Now. Don't, don't misquote anything. Cause that's he'll- true. That's true. Uh, my name is Sherry Wilson, owner of Genius Owl Limited Company. I do a whole bunch of stuff. We'll just put it at that. And um, But my favorite thing is our work in um, definitely challenging, definitely uh, really coaching people into the life that they, they say they want. You know, I've been, a lot of people say they want things. And, you know, my response now is show me the money. You know, it's like that. Uh, Jerry McGuire, where he's screaming on the phone. <laughs> That's the funniest. The money. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's the funniest scene, but it's true. That is exactly what life is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, I hear people in the sports industry right now, or some of the other talk shows. It's like, um, do you have the receipts? Which is another way of saying you better be able to back up what you're saying. Yes. And this Kate here receipt. Or action is your testimony. Yes, it is. When you say, I want something, where's your testimony? Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be like, well, okay, let's see if you really want it. What action have you taken to achieve it? And then it's like crickets, right? Crickets. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's like... Uh oh, <laughs> and then and then you got the guy like me sitting over there saying, you know, I've got a baseball bat. I don't want to hear you mention the Lord. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. No, don't don't do it. That's blaspheme. Get your ass up and get something done. Get something right? done. Action. Yeah. Exactly. And um, one of the things that we've noticed as a pattern with our students in every single intensive. Um, is hiding. And yeah. what's interesting, um, and I've really been like pondering it, and I took some notes in our pre-show combo, <clears throat> but I've noticed that, you know, one of the initial exercises we take our students through reveals their 
their challenges, their weak areas. And what I've figured out um, is that whenever we start the work, and I bet this is for anybody, um, whenever the work is started, people will tend to hide behind those weaknesses or specific things of which they feel comfort in. It can be statements. It can be activity. It, you know, there's just so many things. Um, and what's interesting is you're like, okay, so you realize that you spent your week doing the very things that are the most challenging for you and not the work we required, right? Right. And so I started pondering that because I'm like, okay, first of all, people don't understand that they can hide behind specific things to not do what they say they want to do, either because they're afraid it won't work or they don't know what effort will be required. But I heard this great statement by Robin Sharma. He said, uh, Let's see, underneath every excuse lies a fear. Mm-hmm. And so my question as I was like pondering this is how does one know that they're hiding, that they're hiding behind specific things so that they don't have to actually commit or do that one thing they say they really want? Yeah. So how do they know? Well, I would say that knowing is easy. But I think we probably have to back up and say, well, let's check out the person's level of self-awareness. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we start there. Um, and if we were to say that a person has a reasonable level of self-awareness, then they know they're, they're not being truthful. Mm-hmm. So um, now you can mask um, anything if you want to, right? Yeah. Um, and but by covering something up doesn't necessarily mean that you don't see it or you don't know it mm-hmm. right so nobody sees us when we sweep the the dirt under the rug but you always know you did so no matter what you do your eyes are still going to go to that spot on the floor where you know you swept that dirt under the rug your mind is always going to go to the place where you're just holding things out um, that you're not really addressing things. Um, <clears throat> you don't even have to get deep into the science with that. <laughs> nope. All you have to do is just stop because this thing that we call the mind, which is not in the body, <laughs> right? So right. this is not to make the listener think, well, where is it at? No, the organ is in your head. Mm-hmm. Your brain is the thing that's something completely and totally different and special. So if you are the person that is a believer, then you want to definitely hear what I'm saying, because it is a connecting principle for you outside of your everyday experience, right? That's what prayer is all about, right? It takes us beyond where we are. Now, having said all of that, how are we able to learn things that we never knew before, Mm. right? How are we able to do that? How are we able to even conceive that something else is needed in terms of technology that changes our lives for the better? When did a hunter-gatherer realize that they need to put a stake right here and call this home? Yeah. You know that because it comes to your mind. 
It just does. When you need something, technology shows up. Technology is never available until it's needed. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. The answer to your question is never available to it's needed. So when we say, how do you know that you're hiding? It's like, you know that you're hiding because there's something about you that's not authentic. And um, unless you run into somebody that questioned you about that, you can get away from it, uh, get away with it uh, theoretically for decades. Yes. Right? Yeah. Or let's just say you can avoid it for decades. Right. Yep. But it's always there. You know, like those little cartoons that, you know, it's like the ones on your shoulder. Right. <clears throat> well, they're both the same thing. One person says, well, I got an angel on one side. No, you don't. <laughs> not if you're not taking any action. If you're not taking any action, that is a testimony of your dedicated action, which we're going to call faith, because that's an action word, right? Yes. So if you don't have any action, then you're not talking about faith, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, you're talking about something else. And that something else is most likely fear, yeah. right? Because generally speaking, those kind of conversations come up around other people. When we're with ourselves, we 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 tend to stay immersed in the place that allows us to avoid thinking about what we need to think about. And that's how one year can turn into 40 years of the same life experience. Right? You know, Coach, there's uh, it's so rich because I'm just thinking like, you know, that, you know, in lie detection. So one of the things that I uh, teach people is that. When you lie, even if you're good at it, your body can't hide it. So, like, let's take um, uh, Bill Clinton. He was a proven liar over the Lewinsky thing. And then let's take uh, Murdoch that was just convicted. They're both really, really good at it. And so if you're watching them and you don't know what to look for, you know, you might think that they're not lying. And some people, you have to slow things down to see those little micro expressions come up. Other people, it's really apparent. Well, the reason the body leaks is because lying is a stress response. Yeah. It's automatic. Like one of the first things that I look for, um, I always look for clusters, but if someone, and now don't get all uncomfortable around me either, people, if you're local and you have to rub your nose, don't think I'm going to think you're lying. I'm looking for clusters. But... <laughs> One of the things that happens is they'll rub their nose because the, the the membranes and everything swell up in there because the body's now stressed because it knows it's lying. And there's several other things I look for to go along with that because sometimes people's nose just mm -hmm. itches, right? So mm -hmm. they're not lying. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. But when you said you know that there's something about you that's not authentic, yeah, that that right there is how you know because... You know, you may be able to fool others, but you on the inside know that you're hiding. And yeah, and it's like a like a burden. You know, it, it's like something just feels off. And yeah. that's important because one of the things that you said um, in our pre-show convo is ha it's a habit, habit pattern on the sub 
almost entirely used as a defense mechanism. And yeah. I, I want to cut through some BS real fast. So okay. one of the things I've noticed, even with our students, is I'll hear, well, you know, I got busy and I had this and I had that and people were coming to me with this and that. And that that is BS. If you really want something, you will adjust your interactions with others and your time uh, to get that thing done. It's a guarantee. Yeah. And so a lot of times people will hide behind the excuse that other people are making demands of their time, which prohibits them from doing what they really want. No. In fact, if you look at it closely, you might actually be a little bit relieved that you're being distracted by the demands others are putting on you so that you don't have to, like you said, walk the plank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you agree, coach? Mm-hmm, I would, you know, and, um, and so going back to the idea of let's get rid of the BS, life is set up in such a way that whatever you want has a particular challenge associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the higher the the higher you strive, the greater the challenge is associated with it. I'm looking at this natural landscape here. When somebody says, hey, you got a herd bull in there and he's gorgeous. Well, guess what we also know about that herd bull? He is fighting every year. Mm-hmm. Every year he is putting what he wants to the test, right? Yeah. And and everybody else is going to know that he is the real deal because of his testimony. He yeah. can't hide it. He can't hide it. It's the same thing with us. It's like, if you really want it, you're going to do something. You just, you can't be separated from the thing that you desire most. You just can't, right? Because yeah. the, you know, without getting into this science, you know, we, we've talked about it a lot, right? But if, if what you want wants you, if you're thinking about that thing, guess what's in your life, right? So you're sitting up here saying, it's like, I don't know what to do. People just keep coming into my life and they're distracting me. It's like, no, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. once you admit that, then you're ready to go on to the next step, Yeah. right? So if you don't like admitting to yourself that you like being needed, that you like being the center of attention, that you like having a controlling interest in whatever it is that you're involved in. If you are not able to openly admit those things, then you're not being authentic. Yeah. And it shows up in your exchanges with other people on some form. Like you say, we teach people how to treat us. And yes, we do. A lot of that is an avoidance issue or an ego need is being met. Yes, exactly. So um, I would just say, you know, just kind of like keeping my thoughts on the general, right? Mm Because I felt myself started to dive a little bit. (laughs) To keep myself in the general, I will just say this. Um, We're set up to achieve the desires of our heart, right? Mm -hmm. We just are. Mm -hmm. Whether you do it or not is up to you. Right. So when I think about the Hosea passage four, six, people are destroyed. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. If there's something you don't know, if you don't have what you need to succeed in some level, that means you got work to do. 
Yeah. You have to figure out what is it that I need, right? Because even if you say I have faith in myself to achieve this project, you still need something else that goes along with that. Yeah. And you you have to take that action because otherwise, how will how does the universe know you need something unless you declare it on some level? Mm -hmm. You declare it in thought and you follow it up with action. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you do that all the time. We do it all the time, right? But we are taught to be disconnected and fragmented. So we we think that our life is out there, right? Um, what you want is down the road. Yeah. You know, think about it. Retirement, um, golden years, and all of these things are all future tense, mm -hmm. right? But the truth is, rarely does a person arrive in that future tense without being broke down. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's like, okay, you're, you're, you're 70 years old. Okay, great. What you going to do now? Because yeah. you missed all, all of those other years. You didn't do anything. And now you want to do something. But you're 70. That body don't look all that great right now. You know what I'm saying? What you going to do with it? I could just kind of go on and on with this, but the idea is you have to recognize that you have to take some action. If you don't take action because you're afraid and you're not willing to admit how your thoughts are influencing your life, whether regardless of whether you're self-awareness, um, you're in that place where you are entirely at your own accord. Yeah. And you can you can get on your knees and pray all you want but if you haven't learned how to change your thinking you're actually praying for the same thing that you're currently getting and so you get more of that and you don't understand why i like how you said um walk to the edge you don't have to jump or even walk on water but you do need to examine and see what you need to do next and that's that's part of what you're talking about and or it is what you're talking about. And I I remember I had a planner training last month and uh, one of my customers had bought uh, one of my planners like, gosh, I think it was December or the beginning of, of January and she hadn't even used it at all yet, which is a very common thing. Mm -hmm. and, um, I, and I told her, I said, well, the reason is once you put pen to paper, it requires commitment. Yeah. And and that's that's what we're talking about here and you will always encounter the resistance. It's like um I have had a, you know, quarterly goal that I was able to accomplish pretty quickly, but one of the things is I knew because to me this is a a natural law um, which is kind of what you're talking about when it's like, yeah, you can pray all day, but if you won't change how you think and thought be in the first action, therefore mm -hmm. not changing your actions, you'll never get the very thing that you're asking. You'll get what you're really have faith for. And, mm -hmm. um, I knew eventually I would come to, and we called it the, the Brit, let's see, the bridge of incidents. Was that what we did? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I knew eventually I would hit resistance. Like it was, it was easy because of the tools and the way me and you live, we could pretty much do whatever and, mm -hmm. and, and be successful at it. And so, but that doesn't mean there's not any resistance. And so sure enough, um, I was tired 
I had to drive through. Um, we had such bad wind, um, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before coach that from Lubbock to Clovis, I was in brownouts and blackouts. Like you could maybe barely see the road. Everybody had their flashers on. You know, my uh-huh. dad taught me how to drive in that kind of weather. So I knew what not to do and what to do. Thank goodness. But it was very stressful. But it was my commitment to that goal that was that day. Like, you know, I have it. It's like timed. And I was arguing with myself. You know, it's like, okay, are you going to say yes or no? Do you really want this? And um, I'm like, I really want this, actually. I want it more than I want more sleep or anything else. And so I was able to push through that resistance. Um, but the 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 actual um, desire is what kept me in check. But also the idea, there is no way I'm going to go backwards after all this work. <laughs> no. You know? No. So you'll always, you know, like once you assess and examine where you're at, where you want to go, what's needed, and then you start executing the plan, the thoughts, the actions, et cetera, you will hit that resistance where you have the decision, are you going to keep saying yes or are you going to pull back? Wouldn't you agree, Coach? Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, I think when you really get down to it, and and you'll hear a, a lot of thought leaders say this. Um, it comes down to the two things, right? Thinking and action. And those two things are powered by your desire, mm-hmm. right? Um, and when you are in that space, you know it. You see, that I think one of the things that can happen with technology and civilization, modernization, um, we can fall into this thinking that is convenient, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We we never see how long it actually takes for um, a seed to break the surface to become a rose bush. You know, you don't get to see the business owners who are, you know, who are telling you that, you know, well, before I have this, I used to sleep in the office, mm-hmm. right? Sleep in the office, shave, right? You know, I mean, this is what I had to do. You know, my relationships, I couldn't have any relationships because I hadn't, couldn't have anything on my mind that was going to make me think I needed to live my life differently than I had set it up. Yeah. So now I took that action. I lived in my apartment. I lived in my business office or whatever that is. And now all of a sudden this guy is telling you or this woman is telling you, uh, how they become millionaires and you listen to their story and you like it. But what you don't do when you hear the story is embody the challenges that they had. Okay. And so, and that's the disconnect. Yeah. You see, there is this idea that you get something for nothing and it doesn't work that way. And it also works according to your nature. Mm. You see, um, we can say that, you know, different people have different personality types. Well, yeah, you could say that they have a different nature, but your nature is also going to have a lot to do with your thinking and what you're going to do with it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
but you never get away from it. And I think that's one of the things that people have to understand. It's kind of like you, you don't. And this is why I like to tell the story of elk hunting so much because there's really nothing else like it. Yeah. When you hunt deer, because deer stay in an area, you know they're going to stay in that area. So if you don't make any noise, if you don't blow it, you just climb up a um a ladder and you sit in a deer stand. Yeah. And you yeah. freeze for a little bit, right? Until that deer walks by, they walk out to that feeding station, right? And then you shoot them. Well, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's like, hey, I have nothing against venison. But when you elk hunt, you have to do something that most people are not willing to do. And that is commit to the challenges of dealing with the terrain, right? Yeah. The terrain is not a classroom. It's not an advertisement. It's not a speaking engagement. So when you hear that guy says, yeah, I, you know, I've basically got an elk for the last six years and I'm a bow hunter. And they're like, yeah, I want to get into that. But what you don't know is that the guys say, well, you know what? I'm walking about six miles a day. Yep. Right. And I'm I'm in elevation sometime that might be above 10,000 feet. OK. Might be cold. I'm tired. By the end of that five day week, I've walked almost 70 miles. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. People don't. Think about that. They just get the bugle and they say, man, I'm going elk hunting. <laughs> and that, and and that's why it takes the average hunter nearly a decade before they get their first elk, because it's really about their thinking process, which is the same thing that we're saying with those people who are hiding. It's like, you have not obtained what you wanted, not because you can't, but because it wasn't as important to you as you said it was. Yes. It's that simple, right? Yeah. It's that simple. It's kind of like you did come into the studio and said, I want to get stronger and not swing the kettlebell. It just, you couldn't do it, right? Yeah. I'd be looking at you like, um, so how are we going to do this? Yeah. You know, how are we going to get you where you want to go? It's the same thing. So you're hiding because you're afraid. And that's okay if you can admit it. That's the that's the key thing with fear, right? Yeah. It's like if you're afraid, okay, that's all right, man. Just admit it. Mm -hmm. That's a truth that allows you to move to the next step. Yeah, right. you know, Coach, when you were talking about the kettlebell training, a couple of things came to my mind. Um, the first thing before I share that thought was, you know, when I broke through that resistance, it was the best feeling ever because mm -hmm. now I've proven that. I am going to accomplish this. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. child's play until you meet resistance. It's not, it doesn't really require um, as much as you need once you hit that bridge of incidents. But the other mm -hmm. thing is um, I think in our society, at least in the Western side, we've made education a God. I don't mind learning. It's one of my favorite things, but learning is not the same as action. And whenever um, I started uh, kettlebell training with you, because I had past history doing CrossFit, weight training, et cetera, I had to purposefully um, set aside all of that to learn. And that's mm -hmm. the thing is a lot of times what we think we know is actually 
preventing us from getting into alignment or congruence where you're, you're living and doing what you know you were born to do. And, and so sometimes, you know, a lot of people, especially the people that we deal with, you know, they're usually self-motivated. They are successful in certain aspects of life. Um, you know, they have some successes under their belt. And the thing is, is I've also noticed they're hungry um, because they recognize, okay, I've got these things, but there's just these specific things I, I cannot seem to, to attain. But they've probably read self-help books. They've probably listened to podcasts. They've done all kinds of stuff. And you have to set that stuff aside. And when something comes to you that you know it fits, that's fine. We're not saying don't pick it back up. But I guess what I'm saying is you have to approach certain things as if you're a newborn babe and not try to, well, I know this, this, and this. Well, is it, has it served you yet? You've been knowing this for about 20 years, you know, so you, you have to be humble and willing to set what you know aside and then just get to work, get to action. Don't, don't hide behind knowledge either. Cause like you said, what's that saying you say, coach, it's not really knowledge until certain conditions are met exactly right if you're not taking any action all you have is information yep you know knowledge is absolutely useless useless without application yep right this is you know we, we talked about a gentleman earlier um and i'm like you look you got to be one of the smartest guys i know right mm-hmm. but what does that mean right you know it's like, that doesn't mean anything you can't get out of a fucking shoe. Excuse me. You can't get out of a shoebox. <laughs> How right. about that? You can't get out of a shoebox. So who cares how smart you are, right? Yeah. So again, um, you know, and you could probably really get into for, you know, you don't have to turn it into like a religious ceremony, but you can definitely find numbers of examples um, in, in scriptures where, um it has nothing to do with how smart you are. Right. It's what you do with the information that you have. Yeah. Right. You know, and um, so when, again, you give her to tell somebody something and then they, one of the first things that come out of their mouth is, I know that's another form of hiding. Yes, right? it is. Yeah. Because to know and not to do is not to know. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Renee Descartes, right? That's right. To know and not to do is not to know. You don't know. You can't know because if you knew, you would have done it. Right. I remember years ago, I was hired to work on this computer and I walk in and sit down. And before I even start doing it, and I already knew what was wrong with it. I just needed to, you know, get in there and fix it. This guy, he's like, you know, tell him what all he knows. And, you know, maybe you should try this and do this. And I don't say cuss words often, but I sure was thinking them. And finally, after about 15 minutes of sitting there listening to him, I just looked at him. I said, then why did you hire me? If you could fix it, why did you hire me? You you obviously don't know. And so maybe you should just let me fix it. And then I'll tell you what's wrong. I mean, I was so mad. <laughs> and I, I was like 20 something. Oh, yeah. And I said, yeah. So I, I fixed it like in minutes. And he said, what was it? And I almost was going to be a you know smart mouth and say, well, I don't know. You know everything, so you tell me. But I didn't. And I said, it was this. And he said, that didn't even enter my mind. I said, right. Now you owe me 35 bucks. So, you know, it's, um, 
I, I had this thought. N- knowledge execution requires remarkable humility. You have to recognize, okay, this is ego or man, I really don't know what I thought I knew or you know what? You're right. I actually don't want this and that's evident. Um, and so true humility is willing to admit and to see things that make you uncomfortable and then to take the action that makes you uncomfortable. You know, one of the things we do in storytelling is just that you, you know, Healing starts with truth telling, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you don't have that, you don't heal. You get stuck. Yeah. Um, you are the person that's turning around and looking back at a city that's already been destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, there are just things that you're just not able to get away from. And this is really what we're saying to people is like, you know, you can hide all you want. You can have elaborate excuses. Um, You can have reasons. But if you know that your life is a result-oriented experience on some level, and I don't mean as it relates to capitalism and the industry, but I mean that from just ground zero, what are you going to do with this life you've been given, right? Yeah. That's a business plan. That's a life plan, Yeah. right? What are you going to do? Well, guess what? It requires something of you. It just does. Yeah. Um, and just like it requires something of you to fail, to live a life that you say you don't want, but you're actually immersed in it. So you're 150 pounds overweight. And you're not happy. You can't be surprised. You can't be surprised. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I'm not criticizing your body. It's big. What I am doing, though, is I see your mind working through your body. Mm. Right. And as long as you're OK with it, I'm OK with it. But when you say you're not OK with it, then I'm going to call you out. Because there's no way in the world you get to be that big, right, without totally disconnecting from yourself. Yes. Right? So you you don't need my sympathy, right? You don't need anything from me. What you need is to ask yourself, what's the most important thing to you? And when you're 150 pounds overweight, the most important thing to you is obvious. Yes. Yes. And that's what we're trying to get people. That's really what we're getting people to see. The life that you're living, you help create it. You want to get something different, you have to think differently, right? Yeah. And you have to stop hiding, right? You have to stop hiding because nobody is hunting you down but you, mm. right? Coach. That's right. Yeah. You we're, know what I'm saying? We're going to end on that note. Okay. Mm. All right. Cool. I don't want to add anything to that. <laughs> Accept leave a review, share this episode, and we'll see everybody next week.